it doesn't matter because if you know what you're doing is right, if you know what you're doing is for God, the world hating you, it hated him first. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode seven of This is a Woman podcast. And today it's just me, Sophia Lori, here with you all. The past five episodes, we've had some amazing guests. So if you've not been able to hear from them, go ahead and go check out either the YouTube videos or the other episodes on podcasts, um, whatever podcast platform you guys like to listen to. But I figured now that we've had a couple guests on here, that I would sit down and share with you all a little bit about my story and kind of how I got to doing this podcast and doing what I do for work now. And I want to share it because when I'm talking about my story, you're going to hear me say me and I a lot because I'm talking about myself. But I want you all to know that this story of mine and kind of, I guess, my testimony too is it's all God and God's just been so amazing and he's provided so much, so much more than I could have ever asked for or imagined. And um, God provides, but you also have to follow his um, calling and you have to follow what he's asking you to do. So I'm just gonna dive right into that. Um, when I was born, just kidding, I won't start that early, but basically, this is kind of a little part of it, is basically my family likes to joke that I came out of the womb talking, and I never stopped talking since then, which is true. I am the talkative one of my family, which is saying a lot. If you know my family personally, there's quite a few of us that like to talk, but I've just always been a talker. And when I was in sixth grade, I went to my older brother's eighth grade graduation, which you might think, oh, eighth grade graduation really isn't that a lot. But we went to like a Christian school that was K through eighth grade and it didn't have a high school that everyone would go to after. So it was kind of a big deal because we were smaller class sizes. You worked super close with everyone. So you spent all of your elementary and middle school and junior high together and now you're going separate ways. So they would do a big old graduation and they would have an eighth grade valedictorian. Um, so when I was, again, in sixth grade, my brother was in eighth grade and he had his graduation and I went to it. And the eighth grade valedictorian was a girl and she was able to give a speech at graduation. And I remember sitting there as she was giving her speech and I just thought, wow, what an amazing speech this is. She was just such a great public speaker. And I was like, I want to do that how like I want to give a speech um, for my graduation in eighth grade and I think that's kind of where I started to realize the love I had for public speaking. I did it a lot in elementary school just through different programs at my school but in that moment I was I knew I wanted to speak at graduation and do a lot of public speaking stuff so then I had to work hard, obviously, and I became valedictorian um, of my eighth grade class. But what was interesting is normally they would go back to fourth grade. So you would have to get like straight A's fourth grade through eighth grade. 
and there'd be a valedictorian. Um, but with my class, there was like 10 of us that had straight A's fourth grade through eighth grade. So they went back like all the way to kindergarten, I believe. And there still ended up being maybe like four or five of us. And they weren't going to let all four and five of us speak. And so we all gave like the end of the year little essay um, about saying goodbye to our school. And from those essays, they chose, I guess, whichever they thought was the best one for that person to speak. And I didn't get chosen. And I was pretty upset because, like, reminding myself in sixth grade, I wanted to do this. And I worked hard the past two years to make sure I'd be able to do a speech at graduation. And so I think that was kind of the start of me knowing I had to fight for what I wanted sometimes. And so I ended up sending an email, my little, what, I'm maybe 12, 13 years old. I sent a letter via email to my principal and vice principal about why I should get to speak and why everyone else who got valedictorian should get to speak. We all worked hard. And so all in all, I got to speak at my eighth grade graduation. And that was one of the first times I was like on a stage public speaking to people. And I absolutely loved every second of it. And I do want to go back a little bit um, before I keep telling you guys more about after eighth grade. Um, Another huge part of my testimony is when I was in seventh grade, my dad was diagnosed with leukemia. And when he was first diagnosed, we weren't sure what kind of leukemia. They just were able to see through the blood cell count and all of that that he had leukemia. And so it was two weeks to find out if it was acute myeloid or, or it was acute leukemia or chronic myeloid leukemia. And basically, when they talk about the different leukemias, the chronic myeloid leukemia is, all right, let's get you on medicine. We're going to figure this out. Like, all should eventually be okay. And the acute leukemia is basically a death sentence for the most part. And so for two weeks in seventh grade, I had to sit there and wasn't sure if, my dad was going to be alive in two weeks. And like I mentioned earlier, I went to a Christian school. So I was raised raised in a Christian household, knew who Jesus was and all of that. But I didn't have like a super strong personal relationship with Jesus um, at 11 or 12 years old. And so this is when my faith became real to me and my relationship with Christ became real because Again, I had to sit there for two weeks thinking, am I going to have a dad watch me graduate high school? Am I going to have a dad watch me get into my dream college? And one of the major things for me just being a girl is, am I going to have a dad be able to walk me down the aisle one day when I get married? And so these two weeks was kind of just giving it all to God as well as being confused and what's going on. Um... And in those two weeks, God really showed me the Bible verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. And this Bible verse just kind of keeps replaying throughout my life. Um, it's for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And that Bible verse just is what brought me peace in those two weeks, knowing that his plans aren't to harm me. It's for a hope and a future, which again, it doesn't mean his plans are always going to be easy or great, but his plans for me is to give me the best possible hope and future. And I have to follow um, his plans and trust in his plans for me. And so 
praise God that at the end of those two weeks, we come to find out it's chronic myeloid leukemia. And so there was obviously still a lot of changes, but my dad is healthy and he's doing great. And um, at this rate, it looks like I'll eventually have a dad here to, or not eventually, I will have my dad here to walk me down the aisle whenever I end up getting married. But that really plays a major role um, in my story. So I wanted to catch you guys all up on that. But so then back to eighth grade, I got to give my graduation speech, which I loved and enjoyed doing. And then off to high school, I went. I went to a public high school, but in a very small little, like it's a small little town I grew up in. Everyone's super friendly. And for most of the part, everyone kind of has the same values, very family oriented. And I had a great experience in high school. And then, you know, being a Christian, I was pro-life and kind of held more conservative values because, you know, that's just what Christians are supposed to be. I have a relationship with God. I love Jesus. Jesus loves babies. So I'm supposed to be pro-life. But that's really to the extent um, of what I knew. And then I was in my senior year of high school. And senior year, you know, everyone starts asking you, where are you going to go to school? What do you want to do when you grow up? and all those kinds of things. And there was nothing I was dying to do. I didn't want to be a teacher. I didn't want to be a nurse. I wasn't going to be like a rock star. Like there was just nothing specifically I wanted to do. And so I always thought, okay, I'm gonna go study business because you can't go wrong with a business degree and I'll just kind of find my way from there. And the only thing that I knew I loved doing again was public speaking when I was really little, I'd say, I just want a TV show like Ellen or Oprah, like, give me a show where I can just sit and talk. And, but being realistic and now being a senior in high school and looking to where I'm going to go to college and again, what I want to do with my life, you have to be realistic on you're not just going to get a TV show to sit and talk just because you like talking. And it's now January of my senior year of high school. So it's January 24th, 2018. And I go to a Wednesday night church service, which for my family, we go to church on Sundays. And Wednesdays was never like a priority for us to go to church. or we, It was hard for us to get to church. Just We didn't live super close to our church. Four of us played club sports. So it's not like we were there every Wednesday. But we happened to be there this Wednesday. And my pastor shared about um, abortion. And he talked about himself being a survivor of abortion because his mom tried to commit an at-home abortion when she was pregnant with him. And it was the first time I heard about what abortion truly is and the evils behind it, the evil that Planned Parenthood is. And I was brought to tears sitting there in church. And I've never known so clear in my life anything other than that night God showed me and told me that I'm supposed to be an advocate for life. And this is kind of when it all clicked for me of I love to speak. I do feel like I have a gift of public speaking and I feel like that is 100% completely a gift from God. And I knew that he was calling me to speak about life and speak on abortion. But I didn't know what it would look like. I've never been involved with anything like this before. I was never in any pro-life groups, nothing like that. But I knew I was supposed to somehow speak on life one day. And quickly, God um, 
showing me this plan and showing me this calling, he also quickly kind of maybe put me through a little challenge or I don't know. I think it was looking back now, God through some of these things or put some of these things in my life to almost now encourage me and you'll kind of see how it goes um, the more I tell you all. But I immediately reached out to some of my friends, so excited, senior year of high school, and just so excited to be able to say, I know what I want to do with my life, and I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I want to speak about life. I want to speak against abortion. I want to be a pro-life advocate. And I was immediately shut down by some of the closest people to me. And that was hard because, like I said, it was so clear that God was putting this on my heart and in my life to do. And then immediately I get shut down. And so my mom and I, we go to, this is like while I'm still in the church service, by the way. So my mom and I go and grab coffee after at like our local coffee shop. And we're sitting there talking. It's probably like 930 at night now. And I'm, I don't understand and all these things. And we just kind of talked out the service and prayed about it and then went back home. But then the text telling me that what I was wanting to do with my life um, was a bad idea and wasn't going to push people closer to Christ kind of kept coming in. And so I remember I'm 17 years old. I text my mom, Lord knows it's probably 1 or 2 a.m. Are you up? Can you come to my room? And I don't know if she was awake or if the text woke her up, but I'm just sitting there crying because I feel like God's called me to do this. I don't know what it's going to look like. And immediately I'm being told it's the wrong thing by people I truly loved and cared about and people I believe truly loved and cared about me. And again, I think this was God's first test for me. It, I had to realize they can keep telling me these things, but I know this is God telling me that this is what's right to do. So I have to do it. I can't, I can be open to um, opinions or ideas on the best way to do this, but people trying to tell me that choosing to speak on life was going to push people away from God. I had to know, and I knew that wasn't true because I knew it was God that was calling me to do that. And again, this was the first night it all kind of went down and, but I just trusted in God. And so I slowly started to try to just learn more about life and inform myself on it, but hadn't done anything major yet. And then here, now I have to decide where I'm going to go to college. And again, this is another huge God, um, just a God incidence. You know, people say coincidences. I say they're God incidences. And I'm trying to decide where to go to college. I'm in my second semester, my senior year of high school. I always wanted to play college soccer growing up. All I ever wanted to do was be a um, college soccer player. But I think I decided at some point in high school or my senior year of high school that I wanted to go to a big state school. I wanted to be able to party throughout college. I wanted to go to big football games and all of that. And so I kind of was following more of that path. I was at this point torn between do I go to Arizona State University or San Diego State University? And I was not going to play college soccer. I wanted to go to big state school and I just wanted to have fun. But I had asked one of the teachers at my high school to write me a letter of recommendation for college. And this teacher, he only writes, I think, five, maybe 10 per year. 
for all the students who only take 10 students. You have to get in early one day to sign up. He has to decide if he wants to. And he was kind of a scary teacher. He was a great writer, gonna have great recommendations, but he was kind of scary. And so I got him to agree to writing, write me one. Turns out all the schools that I applied to, I didn't need a letter of recommendation. And I was too scared to tell him that months after the fact. And again, he couldn't just give me the letter of recommendation. Teachers actually submit it directly to the school or they have like a link they directly submit it to. So then I thought, well, I already know I'm going to Arizona State or San Diego State, but neither of them or any of the other colleges I applied to needed a letter of rec. I might as well find a college that needs one just so he can send it in because I'm too scared to deal with him. Again, also at this point, I'm kind of trusting and following my flesh more than I am God's plan for me. But I found a school that um, its name is Vanguard University. And I had a soccer tournament coming up. And my mom said, why don't you email the schools that are going to this tournament, see if anyone's still looking for players. And I didn't want to, I, again, I already was set in stone on Arizona State or San Diego State, but my mom kept kind of just telling me, why don't you just reach out, reach out. So Vanguard University was one of them. And so I reached out because they needed a letter of recommendation to be able to apply to their school. And so I reached out solely so I can submit the letter of recommendation from the scary teacher. And they ended up coming to actually watch me play and I went to practice with them. So I went to go practice with them and I did like the school, but again, I was still set on no, I wanna to go to a big, huge school. I wanna be in a sorority, all those things. And my parents were definitely leaning towards Vanguard University. It was just the best financial option with what came down with academics and athletic scholarships. And so my parents loved it, I think a little more than I did. And they then invited me to come practice again when the head coach was gonna be there. I did not want to go because I knew if I went and was offered athletic scholarship, my parents would be most in favor of me going there and mostly my dad. And for some reason, again, this is a God incidence, when my when I was reinvited to come out and practice again with the head coach, my dad was actually on a work trip in Florida that week. So I told my mom, okay, I'm willing to go. Let's see what they're willing to offer. But please, can we just not tell dad? I don't want him to know. I want to be able to make this decision on my own. And, you know, I, I really think if my dad was in town and stuff, I don't think I would have gone. And I went to practice again. They offered me like my athletic and academic scholarship right there. And I think I literally agreed to going to Vanguard University that day. And this will tie in a little bit more later in the story, but God played a major role in this. I'm so grateful for going to that school and everything that I've been blessed with through that school. But again, this was a, I wanted to follow my flesh, but I ultimately knew that God was pulling me and pulling me to this small private Christian school to play soccer and to grow my relationship with him. And so I ended up signing to Vanguard University. And then a couple months later, I move in. I move in early to start training for soccer. And not too long after being there, I basically lost all of my friends from high school, like my close group. And this was, again, kind of, it was 
back to the first test of being told what I was doing was going to push people away from Jesus and it ended up resulting in me losing friends. But again, I leaned on, I knew this is what God was calling me to do. Nothing else matters. And so I'm now a freshman in college. I've already started classes. And one of my college classes, it was freshman only. And it was kind of a freshman orientation class. Every freshman had to take their first semester. So we're sitting in the class. There's maybe about 30 to 40 people in it. And we were talking about thinking, how to think intentionally, how to think using stats and facts and all these things, just kind of preparing us for the next couple of years of college. And, you know, the teacher said, okay, this and that and this and that. And eventually the professor brought up abortion and said, who has solid arguments for abortion? So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, hmm, maybe this is why all the reading and learning on abortion and life, like maybe I can use this now. And for a second, I hesitated because why would I want to openly talk about my stance on life in this college class when people who knew and loved me chose to leave my life because of it? And then it kind of clicked for me. People who knew me and loved me chose to leave my life for it. So why do I care what these strangers think of me if I have the opportunity to share with them my my thoughts? Because again, we're in the class where we're talking about thinking, but my stats and facts about abortion, why not? So I raise my hand and I basically dive into, again, the stats of what abortion, um, how harmful it is to women, how many women have died from it, all these different things, the legal side of things. And... Um, it was not anything, I didn't use any biblical points. I didn't use, well, personally, I believe. I just used some stats and numbers about the whole abortion topic. And the whole room went silent. And that's where I thought, oh, shoot, I'm now going to be framed as, like, the crazy girl on campus, all that. But the room went silent. And then everyone started clapping. And then the professor goes, students, that's how you think. Use stats and use numbers to prove what you know is right. Class is dismissed. And we got out like 20 minutes early. So now I go to my car because I'm crying. Tears of joy or happiness or almost even relief. And I call my mom up crying. And it just made me think back to when I was 17 in my bedroom calling her crying or asking her to come to my room crying because I was being attacked for my beliefs my biblical beliefs and this time I'm I'm calling her crying tears of joy sitting in my car telling her what happened and it was such a God moment for me of him showing that I was able to trust him when things were hard day one and that he's going to provide I think this was the first time regarding speaking out about a, about life and abortion where he really showed me I will provide if you follow my calling and, you know, I lived on campus, so I was in the dorms, but I went to my car because, again, this is first semester of freshman year. I'm not going to go sit in my dorm and cry in front of my roommates. But it's funny because my roommate, my freshman year, we lived together all four years and she was the best. And, like, I don't think I could have gone through college without her. But we've both seen each other cry endless times. So it's funny how, you know, you don't want people to see you cry and then that girl's probably seen me cry more than anyone else at this point. But again, that goes back to 
goes back to my college decision of God sending me to the right place and trusting him when necessarily I didn't want to about my college decision, but also him showing how great he provides. Now I'm in my second semester of college. It's January 2019. And my mom and I, again, we haven't really done many pro-life events or anything related to that. It's just more what I've read on my own and learned on my own. So we hear there's a March for Life in Washington, D.C. And we decide, go big or go home. We fly out to D.C. for the March for Life. The March for Life was January 20th, 2019. So it's crazy because it's almost exactly a year after I would first learned about the reality of abortion and knew God put this on my life. And my mom and I went, and I could sit here for an hour and tell you all about all the crazy things that have happened. But... It was just a beautiful experience, just being able to hear from some amazing pro-life speakers, being able to march with thousands of people, maybe hundreds of thousands of people in D.C., and it was just so peaceful, and it was, it really pushed us further into what we need to do and kind of connected us with groups and pro-life groups and who to get involved with, but one of the funny things that happened is we're in the hotel elevator, and all of a sudden, the president of the March for Life, Jeannie Mancini, gets in the elevator with us. So me and my mom are looking at each other like, is that her? And so finally we go, are you Jeannie Mancini? And she goes, yeah, I am. And so we just got to talk to her for a quick second. And again, you'll kind of see how that plays in later. But I get home from the March for Life. My mom and I start to get active in different groups. One's called Love Life, where they help pray outside abortion centers. They help abortion-minded um, women see the different options. They help plan baby showers, provide all these different things. They're an amazing group. So we got involved with them, as well as we um, actually bought out one of the theater rooms for the people in our city to come watch Unplanned, which is a pro-life movie by Abby Johnson, who was a former Planned Parenthood worker and now is a pro-life advocate. So we started just doing all these little things here and there. And again, God was so great in providing community. And then a couple months after we get back, I'm still in my second semester, my freshman year. And I'm looking, what can I intern in? Because, you know, you're going to need internships in college. And I find the internship for Family Research Council. And Family Research Council is a think tank based in D.C., that fights for biblical truths and biblical values. And I'm familiar with them because the president has came and talked at my church quite a few times. And so we kind of keep up to date with family with what Family Research Council does. So I um, look at their application for the intern program, print it out, I'm like filling it out, and then I realize it's for upperclassmen only. So I thought, well, okay, I'll get back to this in two years. And so kind of scratch that throw that out but it's crazy because I so vividly remember sitting in my fresh room freshman dorm room filling that out and now let's fast forward to my June no not even my junior my sophomore year so my second semester sophomore year of college I am in a political science class because it's my minor and my teacher emails me before the class and says, hey, Sophia, can you um, stay after class so we can chat? Um, okay, I hope nothing's wrong. And it was a constitutional law class. So I go to class that day. It's like a three-hour class. And of course, I'm sitting there all day. What's going on? Am I going to be in trouble? 
And after class, I go up to my professor and say, oh, hi, Professor Vasquez, like, what's, um, what's up? And he goes, have you heard of Tony Perkins at all? And I'm like, yeah, Family Research Council. Like, fully know he's the president of Family Research Council. And I go, yeah, he's going to actually speak at my church this Sunday. And he goes, oh, well, I've spent all day with him. And he was just talking to me about the internship program and asked if I had any students of mine. And I thought um, it would be great for you to apply. And it was such a God moment for me because I had honestly like forgotten about my application that I thought about doing freshman year. Here I am, second semester of my sophomore year, going to be going into my junior year. Like now is the perfect time to apply for the following summer. And again, this goes back to even just following God and where God called me to college because if I ended up at a state school, um, those professors would not be supporting the values that I hold and my biblical values and what I want to work by. And God was just showing me, all right, this is where you need to go. I have this professor even confirming it for you. And so I went and filled out that application. And I ended up going to live in D.C. the next summer to intern for Family Research Council. And it was an absolute blessing. And God provided so much that summer. So I go to D.C., I intern there, and then I come back, and I have one semester left of school at this point. And so I come back, I'm wrapping up um, college in the fall semester, I'm graduating a little bit early, and I'm starting to think, okay, what, what do I want to do now? Do I want to go back to D.C.? Do, what, what's the plan? And I'm also not in a huge rush at this point because I'm graduating college in December, but I have an apartment out by my college. I'm living with all my college roommates at least through the following July because they were all finishing in spring. And so at this time I was finishing playing college soccer. I was full-time nannying, I was tutoring. And again, I wasn't in a huge rush to find something immediately. So I graduate in December, January rolls around. I'm just kind of looking at things here and there. And then end of January, beginning of February, there's a pro-life event at my church. And it's a Saturday, and it's hosted by Love Life, the group I mentioned earlier. And my mom and I were going to meet each other there. She was going to drive from home. I was going to drive from where I was living um, for college. And I'm on my way, and I'm about maybe the 45 minutes to an hour from my church where I was living. So I'm on my way and I'm super tired and I miss my exit. And missing your exit on the freeway I was on, I was on the 91. And if you're familiar with the 91, when you miss your exit, you can't just hop and turn around. Like you're now stuck going for like another eight miles before there's another exit to get off. And so I'm all upset and I, that's it. I'm not going, I text my mom, I'm not gonna come. I'm tired, I miss my exit, this is just pointless. And my grandma had gone with my mom. And at this point, um, my grandma was becoming more familiar with the pro-life um, stance and, you know, was just kind of wanting to learn more and all that. And my mom was like, you need to come. Your grandma is here with me and she wants to see you and it'll be good for the three of us to go to this together. So I think, all right, fine, I'll go. And so I get finally back on track. I get there a little bit late and um, we're there. It's a great event. I go outside to check out some of the booths that are there. And there's a booth there called California Family Council, which basically does everything Family Research Council does, but at a state level instead of a federal level. 
and I had heard of them before a little bit, not too much, but I knew what they stood for. And so real quick, I'm staying there and I look up on their website, like trying to see if they have any um, job openings, but I don't see anything about job or careers on their website, like some web um, organizations will have. And so I just walk up to the booth and I said, Hi, I'm Sophia Laurie. Are you guys hiring? And at this point, it was my now coworker Greg standing at the booth, and he goes, um, "Yeah, tell me a little about yourself." So I told him about FRC and how I interned there and all that. He goes, "Okay, my boss is here. Let me text him to come over." So he texts his boss Jonathan. We end up staying there for like 15, 20 minutes talking. He looks at me up on Facebook. We have all these mutual connections, and. We had a phone call, I think about two weeks later, and then March 1st, I started my first day with them, um, part-time remote. And I eventually got to kind of share my side of the story for that day. And then they got to share back with me that they were officially looking for a new person to hire. They knew they wanted someone kind of more comms related, events related, um, things like that but they just hadn't put together a job posting yet or put it up or like they just knew they got the approval. That's what they were going to do. And so it was kind of like a, again, a God incidence for the both of us. I, what they were looking for was everything that I kind of did at family research council. And it was what I wanted to do. And it was just a God thing. And for me to meet them and talk to them for the first time ever at my church that I've been going to since I was in my mama's belly was also just a God showing me that he's got me and this is his plan for me. And so California Family Council, like I said, I started working for them and our mission is to advance God's design for life, family, and liberty through California's church, capital, and culture. And that's like, in my mind, I'm like, I get to do stuff regarding life and so excited so I'm working for them part-time with the plans to move to Sacramento in September because my lease was going to be up in Orange County and that would give me time to pack and get ready and move up there. And if you're from California, you'll understand this. If you're not, I'll kind of explain it. If you get to live or if you live in Orange County, Orange County and San Diego County, I would say are like the two places everyone wants to live just by the beach, super nice, super fun, all these things. No one ever willingly wants to move to Sacramento. Like people, especially in Southern California, like they don't have too many great positive things to say about Sacramento. So everyone I tell, yeah, I'm going to move to Sacramento. You're moving to Sacramento? Really? Why? And I finally got to the point where it's about a month out from me having to pack up my college apartment where I've got to live with four of my best friends for the past two years and I started getting sad. I thought, obviously I was sad because no longer going to be living with those girls anymore, but sad about moving to Sacramento. It's six, seven hours away from where I'm from, from where all my family is, from all my friends are. And I was trying to figure every way out of it. At this point, I'm all, can I convince them to let me like go remote? Maybe I need to find a new job. I'm not moving, I'm not going, I do not want to. And this was one of the other times where I was really not trusting God. I thought, God, I don't know why you're calling me here. This is ridiculous. Like, I don't want to do this, God. And my mom was definitely a rock of mine in this time. She just kept telling me, Sophia, you need to go. It's 
just for a year max and then you can stay longer if you would like or you know just go you need to trust it and go and i'm literally sitting there packing up my apartment crying one because i hate endings and such a fun time like college was amazing was ending but I had a new beginning that I wasn't super ecstatic about and crying, packing, I'm not going to go, all these things. And my mom was just kind of had to kick my butt out the door and into my car until I got up to Sacramento. And I come up here, I start living here in September. And end of September, I get a phone call about speaking at a press conference on the steps of the Capitol regarding Proposition 1, which was a proposition regarding abortion, and to speak in opposition to it. And I remember getting the phone call. I was on my morning run. And so I was going to answer it because I'm like, who's calling me? And then I said, no, I'm not going to because if it's work related, I'm on a run and there's loud noises all around. I'll let it go to voicemail and I'll call back when I get back to my apartment or get to the office. And so I'm on my run and I see the voicemail and it's about me speaking at this event. And I just start crying. I have lived up here for almost a month now. And God was answering so many prayers when... I didn't want to trust him and I didn't want to move to Sacramento, but I did. And again, that had a lot to do with my mom getting me up here and kind of forcing me to go, but it also had to do with ultimately I knew this is what God was calling me to and I knew to ignore it or do what I wanted was not going to be the best option. I knew I had to trust um, in God. And so tears of joy because I get to now speak on the steps of the Capitol for the issue of life, for the issue of abortion, and give a pro-life speech. And again, it was just God assuring me that you are where you're supposed to be. Also with this job, we host the California March for Life. So I know I was just telling you guys a little bit about September and October of 2022, but I'm going to backtrack just to June of 2022. Again, I'm still working remote in June, so we have the California March for Life, and I've been helping plan it, and in my mind, I'm thinking, this is so cool. I'm helping plan the California March for Life with the March for Life DC team two years after attending my first other March for Life in DC, and I was the one that did the ordering of like our banners and things like that, so I get to Sacramento, I pick up the banners and everything I ordered, and I get to my hotel room. And if you've seen photos of either any of the state's marches for life or the National March for Life, there's always a huge banner in front that says California March for Life or just March for Life if it's the national one in D.C. that people carry and lead the march with. So that was one of the banners I picked up. So I get to my hotel room and I unroll the banner in my room to make sure everything looks good. And again, tears of joy streaming down my face of... In 2019, I attended my first ever March for Life, and now it's 2022, and I'm helping plan the California March for Life and how good God is. And again, I think he really gives us those moments to let us know, to assure us that we're following his path and almost a good job to us. I don't know. I just think it's it's one of those moments where you realize that all the trials, all the losing of friends, all the being told what I was doing was wrong didn't matter because God was, again, showing me that I was doing what he called me to. 
So now at this point, I've helped plan the March for Life and host that. And I got to speak on the steps of the Capitol for the No on Prop 1 press conference. And now I've been officially living in Sacramento for about a year. And there's going to be some changes there coming soon. But God provides. And he provides so well. When I moved up here, I was scared. I was not wanting to. And I thought, all right, God, like, you've provided before, you'll provide again. And he has provided more than I ever could have imagined. And I think that's something important to note is don't ever put God in a box. Don't limit him to what he can provide and do for you because he can do more than we could ever imagine. And so follow his plans, follow his calling and just let him provide. And I do want to note that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And that doesn't mean it won't have hard times and really hard times. But he is going to provide more than you could ever imagine. And it's going to make all those hard times completely worth it. And so since that no on Prop 1 press conference, I've been able to MC an election day prayer vigil on the steps of the Capitol. I went to Arizona to um, speak about life at one of the outside one of the largest pharmacist conventions um, in the nation. And I've been able to speak and testify at the Capitol. And now not only am I testifying on issues of life, but I'm testifying on issues around women, about women being erased. And that's a huge reason why I started this podcast. I testified at the Capitol and I said men can't menstruate and was immediately called so many negative things by legislators. But again, it did not waver. I did not waver from being called any of those things. It did not change my beliefs because you can call me whatever you want. You can say whatever you want about me in a negative way. But when I know what I'm doing is based off of biblical truth and God's calling for my life, you can't stop me. And so from testifying, and I just got to speak at a convention in Colorado that was streamed to thousands of people. And it just... I say this all because God is so good. I can look back to being an 11-year-old in sixth grade, sitting at my brother's graduation, watching the valedictorian give the speech, and know that I want to do some kind of public speaking in my life, to then going to 17 years old and hearing about abortion for the first time and knowing that I want to speak on life to now being able to speak about life on the steps of the Capitol and speak the truth of life to our legislators in the California Capitol. And I'm going to speak this um, coming weekend at a prayer vigil outside of a soon-to-be third trimester abortion clinic, the first one ever here in California, praying and worshiping outside of it for it to get shut down. And again, this has nothing to do with me this has to do with if you follow God's calling if you follow what God's telling you to do he will provide so well and I want to again emphasize he has provided so much so many great things but again as I mentioned I lost friends because of this I lost tons of followers on Instagram I had people sending me basically death threats in my Instagram DMs and it doesn't matter Because if you know what you're doing is right, if you know what you're doing is for God, 
the world hating you, it hated him first. And this also goes to you can have friends that have different values than you. And I think it takes a level of maturity to have that. But some of my closest friends don't have the same beliefs as me. And we're still great friends. So having different values from people doesn't mean you need to not be friends with them. If you can both be mature enough to respect each other's values and also be willing to learn from each other and hear from each other. And also going back to trusting God. Again, when I was applying to colleges, I wanted to follow my flesh um, desires of my flesh and go to a big state school and ultimately I think God will kind of force you and push you but also you have to decide to follow him and then when I was in college I was in a relationship for quite a large part of it and a lot of this relationship wanted me to not go to the church that I went to anymore and telling me again the same thing that I heard from my friends that choosing to speak about abortion and speak out on life is going to push people away from Christ and that we shouldn't be doing that and people of the church shouldn't be doing that because it's political and I am going to be honest abortion is not a political issue it is a 100% biblical issue we were made in our mother's womb by Jesus Christ perfectly in his image and abortion is a biblical issue that the world has taken into their hands into politics so there's no one who should be talking more about abortion than the church and more about how to be pro-life and more about how to provide and help women than the church. And it just also goes to show, like I said, you're going to lose people in your life, but I've gained so many amazing relationships and friendships from being involved and staying for what is right. I mean, so many of you that listen, I've met you because of the pro-life movement or because of your relationship with Christ and being able to connect with you all via that. And so God is good. Follow his plans. It's not always going to be easy, but he will provide. And you'll look back and you'll see your story and you'll see the way it's played out and just like when I look back on my story, I can't be more in awe and thankful and grateful for how great God is. And that doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. That doesn't mean there wasn't parts of my story where I didn't stumble or I didn't necessarily choose the right option or the right way every single time. But it's the last thing I want to touch on real quickly is that when I had friends and why I had people and even strangers telling me talking about life would only push people farther from God. You know, on social media, I'll post about the different events or I'll post about this is happening in politics or things like that. I don't, I don't necessarily always post that, oh, I did this this weekend and donated these diapers or things like that because that's not what this is about. It's not about saying the things I did. It's saying the things that God is doing as well as informing the community about the um, negative things happening in politics or in church regarding abortion. And so to people who have said that God or that talking about abortion is going to push people away from God, I just want to say and clear up that I've watched people come to Christ on the steps of Planned Parenthood. And I have watched people 
decide to change their mind about their original abortion decision and come to Christ and become baptized and become part of the family. And so people need to hear the truth. And the truth is that God loves them and that he will provide. And he's such a great provider. But anyways, follow God, follow his calling for you. It might not always be easy, but he is going to prosper you and give you a hope for your future. So much love to you all and I'll see you all next week.